Welcome to the home of the blessed people, and here is our host pastor, Pastor Dayo Ademo. I am a fully persuaded believer. Come on, say it. I am a fully persuaded Christian. Oh, you're not saying it like you mean it. I am a fully persuaded Christian. That is where you should be. You shouldn't be a doubting Christian. You should be fully persuaded. Your life should be full of convictions about God. Who are these fully persuaded Christians? They are the people. They are the ones who believe God is who he says he is. They believe. They believe that God is who he says he is. Not only that, they believe that Jesus is who he says he is. They are fully persuaded, fully convinced. That's where your faith should be, to be fully convinced. In Romans 4, in Romans 4, 19 to 21, we see the story of our father of faith. Why Abraham was called the father of faith? It was simply because of this principle that he lived a fully persuaded life. We are fully persuaded. Say it one more time. We are fully persuaded. That is what we do in our family. You see, when God wanted to have his own family, the Christian family, do you understand that? The Christian family, when he wanted that family, he picked Abraham. These were the things that Abraham did. Are you listening to me? Our father, this is our genealogy. This is what takes place in our family. We live a life of faith. The just shall live how? I can't hear you. The just shall live how? By faith. This is our lifestyle. Fully persuaded life is our lifestyle. Unfortunately, many believers are not living in the fully persuaded lifestyle. And that's my job. That's my assignment today. To teach you the principles of living a life fully persuaded. Praise God. Now, we started the journey from the first service, and I'm not going to go over that because it would not be fair. Amen? Um, we saw in the life of our father Abraham, Romans 4, 19 to 21. Uh, you can put 20 and 21 to be, to be f- fast. Okay. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, Verse 21, I love this. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. We said in our first service that, wait a minute, he judged God that God was able. We said many people don't compete with God being able. They don't argue with God being able. Whether it's zero faith, little faith, weak faith, strong faith, everybody, no faith, believes that God has the capacity to do anything. But the challenge we all have as human beings is, will he do it for me? Is he willing to do it? We don't argue with whether he's able to do it. What, where we shake, where we deny, where we faint is, is he willing to do it? 
Praise God. And that's the summary of the life of Jesus. Jesus came to tell you and I that he is willing. He argued it. He said it. Who, which one of you, who know how to do evil things? Will your children ask for, ask for what? Bread. Somebody says snake. No, children don't ask for snake. Okay. You, you, you ask for bread, you give him what? Stone. You ask for a fish, you give him what? Snake. He said, no, he said it's not going to happen. You don't do that. Praise God. So how much more your father in heaven? Do you see the big difference now? So we now saw from the first service that we needed to move our lives to a life of being fully persuaded. How do we do this? Abraham in Romans 4, 19. This is you here. The Bible says Abraham was not weak in faith. How was he not weak in faith? He did not consider the natural circumstance. He did not consider the things around him that is pointing to the fact that it's not possible. What are those things? Number one, Abraham, you're about 100 years old. You have low sperm count. Your spermatozoa cannot run five centimeters. They'll be dead. Not to talk of hitting the egg. Not to talk of going in. So you can't make it, Abraham. Sorry. He did not consider that. The Bible says, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. Sarah was about 35 years too late to have a baby. 35 years. Let's say it's two or three years. We can argue maybe the date of birth wasn't correct and, you know, you can still get in. But 35 years, you, there's no way it can, can happen. But like I told you in the first service, that look, <laughs> you will not live the life of a fully persuaded life by natural means. You have to disregard everything natural. It could be sickness. They could tell you your grandfather, high blood pressure, your father, high blood pressure. Definitely it's in your family. And you two, you invite it in and you say, yeah, we got high blood pressure in our family. And you introduce high blood pressure as if it's your first cousin. That's not the way. You don't live by natural means. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. He turned away. Look at it, verse 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead. When he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not consider the natural things. Because he had no hope in the natural. So, but he turned to the word of God. He turned to the one that has promised. He turned that the one who promised, he will make good his promise. He knew there was no way there. That's the natural realm. But this is where the promise of God is. The first thing, ladies and gentlemen, people who are going to live a fully persuaded faith life, people who are going to live that life, the first thing they are going to do is to consider not the natural circumstance. They got to make up their mind to be focused like Elizabeth on the promise. On the promise of God's word. That's how they are going to live their lives. Anytime they do this, God is happy. 
But now, Abraham is here. The Bible now says something again. Verse 20. Let's go further. Verse 20. Look at where you're coming from. You have ignored natural circumstances. You, you've turned to the supernatural. You've made a move on the supernatural. You, you've seen the promise. The Bible says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Now, this is where the second challenge is. You have made up your mind, like so many Christians here, you've made up your mind that you are going to go the supernatural route. But there is a problem. Staggering at the promise. In the book of James, it's called wavering at the promise. Like a tidal wave, you're up today, you're down tomorrow. You believe the scriptures today, but tomorrow you are low again. Wavering at the promises. Waver. This is where a lot of believers are. They've chosen to live their lives by supernatural means. But they're still doubting sometimes. That's not a fully persuaded faith. If you are still doubting, let me show you what the Bible says in the book of James. Can you quickly turn there? Praise God. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have done all this. Now my time is far gone. Oh. Where was I? Hmm? Hmm? Okay, I used it to wake some people up. It's a trick. All right. James 1, are you there? Praise God. James 1, 5, are you there? We're going from 5 to 8. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God and give it to all men liberally and upbraided not, and it shall be given to him. Next one. But let him ask in faith, not wavering. Not wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of a sea driven with the wind and tossed. Back and forth and back and forth. Is unstable. Verse 7. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. This man has made a journey. He has made an attempt. He has left natural philosophy. He has moved to the supernatural. But he's wavering. He's doubting the word of God now. He's doubting it again. He's believing it today, doubting it tomorrow. Believing it today, doubting it tomorrow. What does the Bible say about such a fellow? Will he receive anything? He will receive nothing. Nada. Nothing. Praise God. But excuse me. He has held the promises. He has believed on the promise. But he's wavering. Will he receive anything? That's the story of many believers. Say, well, I trusted God. It didn't happen. It didn't happen because there was something wrong with your faith process. You did not get yourself to the point of being fully persuaded. At that junction, it doesn't fail. At being fully persuaded, it doesn't fail. When he took Isaac to Mount Moriah, the Bible says concerning the faith of Abraham, he says, even he had concluded in his mind 
that even if he killed Isaac, what was God going to do to Isaac? He would raise him up back again. He was fully persuaded. Oh, may God take us there. Full persuasion of faith. That's the point of no return. That's the point that God does what he has to do because he has promised he will do it and he can never deny himself. Praise God. Verse 8. Let's conclude that. Verse 8. A double-minded man is what? Is unstable in all his ways. When you are not stable, when instability becomes your way of life, the Bible says you won't receive anything from God. Praise God. Unstable in all his ways. See what the foodie persuaded can get. And let's see also what the wavering guy gets. The fully persuaded has a right to fully expect the manifestation of God's promises. I'll take that again. The fully persuaded has a right to fully expect the manifestation of God's promises. On the other hand, the Bible says, let him that is wavering, let him know he will not receive anything from God. I want you to see what a man fully persuaded can expect and a man wavering what he will expect as well. There is a danger in going back and forth. Back and forth. It's, it's, it's dangerous. And I want to show you from the scriptures, not because I've judged it dangerous, I want to show you that that state of getting to the promise of God and wavering and still doubting is a dangerous place to be. God doesn't want you to be there. When you have God's word on a subject matter, let's say you have God's word on a subject matter, you believe God for it. Praise God. You are standing on the promise of God. And let's, let's also flip to the other side. Let's say you don't even have the word. You haven't located the word of God on it yet. But you have a strong conviction in your spirit. How many people know that sometimes you just know that, no, this is not it. I can believe God for something. You, you don't know what it is, but you have a witness that is saying to you that this is not God's best for me, or this is not God's portion for me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You, you just have that witness. You don't have the scripture, which you should have, by the way, but sometimes it's not every time you have a scripture, but you have a witness. You have a witness within you, because the spirit of God lives within you, all right? You have a witness that this is not your portion. Praise God. Amen? Are you with me? Praise God. What you do is that you come back and you lay hold on having that strong, either conviction, either the word. You come back and lay hold on it like a bulldog. That won't give up. That, look, I'm convinced about this matter. I'm standing on this matter. Because God, okay, if it's the promise you have, this is the promise. I'm standing on the promise of God. God will make good his promise. He's not a man that would lie. He's not the son of man that would repent. Has he said it, will he not do it? Has he spoken, will he not bring it to pass? I'm standing on the promise. I'm not wavering. I am holding on 
There is nothing the devil can do because I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to believe that, oh, he's there today. No, he's not there tomorrow. No, I am convinced that this is what God will do. That's what our father Abraham did. The Bible says, I mean, you should learn how to say the same thing Abraham said. Praise God. He said, he who has promised is also what? Able to bring it to pass. He has promised. Excuse me. Where can I locate the promises of God for my life? Where? In the library? Somebody said in the library. In the Constitution of Human Rights. No, Canadian Charter of Rights. Where will I locate the promises of God? Uh, no, I got to go search my dad's will. Where will I locate the promises? It's in the word of God. Do you see why you as a believer, you shouldn't be far from this word? If there's any book, it should be your best book. Guess which book it should be? The Bible. Now, some of you put it on your pillow. Some of you put it on the coffee table. And next Sunday, this Sunday when you're coming, you drop it on the coffee table. Next Sunday when you're coming, you bring it out from the coffee table. That's not how to live. Fully persuaded faith. You got to stay by this word. Are you listening to me? You got to sit with this word. Because inside this word are the promises of God to you. And as you locate those promises, your life becomes the better. You don't just locate it, you do something about the promises. Are you with me? Praise God. That's what we do. We lay hold on that promise. And we stand by that promise. And we say like our father Abraham, he who has promised is what? He's able to bring it to pass. And he will bring it to pass. You paste the floor of your home and declare it. I love it. You see, this is the best part of my Christian journey that I love. When I take the promises of God and I say it again and again, paste the floor of my house, paste the floor of my room, paste everywhere, paceable, speak the word of God, load my atmosphere. I just know that I know. I'm on the journey of getting to being fully persuaded about the subject matter. Amen. This is what to do. Even when doubt wants to set in, I just taught you a principle now. Because what makes you waver is doubt. You want to stop the wavering, you do exactly what I've taught you now. Take the same word and speak it over and over again. Declare it over your life. That's warfare. That's warfare 101. Declare it. Speak it over your life. Say it to the point that you are fully convinced of what you are saying. Are you listening to me? This is where some Christians don't practice Christianity. Amen? If you are a child of God, this is normal to do. Coronavirus is out there. Do you think he doesn't want to get you to? He does. But what have you said? What have you spoken? Did he say 1,000 can fall at your left? Did he say 10,000 can fall at your right? How many will come near you? None. But have you said it lately? 
Have you spoken it? Are you fully persuaded of that scripture? Praise God. Praise God. Are you fully persuaded? Are you saying it? Because you see, when you begin to say those things, you are on the journey of getting to being fully persuaded. But you start. The Bible says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall do what? Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And he will do what? He will say, he will say, of the Lord. He will say, his mouth will be part of that journey. The Bible makes us to understand that the first prophet of a man's life is himself. Proverbs 12, 6, the mouth of the just shall do what? Shall deliver them. So he will deliver you. So engage your mouth in righteous things. It's not only to talk and backbite and to do all those ugly things. Stop it. Resign for backbiting avenue. Praise God. Go and drop your resignation after this service. I'm not part of you anymore in the backbiters club. Backbiters are always at the back. Have you noticed? Praise God. Resign from there. I got good use for my mouth now. It's to make good the promise of God over my life. Praise God. Your children, how many promises have you spoken over their lives lately? Your career, your business, your finances. How many minutes have you invested in making good the promise of God over you? You've got to say these things. You've got to keep on saying them. Is somebody with me? Your next promotion is waiting for you, but you haven't said anything lately. Praise God. This is what to do when doubt wants to creep in. You make good the promise of God. Hallelujah. You need to keep on renewing your mind on the truth of God's word so that you don't waver. Praise God. So that you are not following the wave. Some days up, some days down. Praise God. But you'll be fully persuaded. That's the secret key even to the success in my own life. I keep on speaking the word. I'm not teaching you cunningly divine fables this afternoon. I'm teaching the word of God that I practiced myself for decades. I don't know medication. Why? I chose him to be my healer. Praise God. If you are not fully persuaded there, you know I say it all the time, don't join me. Amen? It takes your faith to be fully persuaded. But I tell you, it's a sweet life. If you will take a hold on the word of God and practice it all. I made up my mind a long time ago. I'm going to practice this word raw. Amen? And I'm a testimony it works. I've never seen anything work like the word of God. Never. It works. Is somebody there with me? If you are there, say amen. amen. Verse 20 again, Romans 4.20. Let's quickly move so that we can finish this. Romans 4.20. Are you being blessed? Is God giving you something today? All right. Romans 4.20. Okay, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, 
giving glory to God. He did not waver through unbelief. So, wavering comes as a result of what? Unbelief. Unbelief is what introduces wavering. So, let's take care of the subject of unbelief. Because, you see, unbelief is not, many people think they know unbelief, but it's not sometimes what we think we know. You see, there's this danger of almost. You remember a guy in the scriptures, he's called King Agrippa. Some other parts of the world will call him Agrippa. Agrippa. This king was telling Paul that you almost made me a Christian. You see, that word can deceive many. You almost made me a Christian. Is he a Christian? What is he then? Unbeliever. I almost became a Christian. You, you almost think, oh, maybe God will have mercy. No, he's still an unbeliever. I almost landed the plane. That's very dangerous. You almost landed the plane? That's a plane crash, man. <laughs> Praise God. Almost is dangerous. That is why you can't say that I am almost fully persuaded. It's wrong. You can't, it's too dangerous to be in the realm of almost. <laughs> Praise God. Almost a Christian. It's as good as unbeliever. Now, I want to quickly share with you indicators that will tell you whether you are fully persuaded or not. There are some things that will know whether you are fully persuaded or not. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 to 8. Okay, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said, today, if you hear his voice, what should you do? Harden not your hearts, as in the day of provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. Praise God. In the wilderness. Now, what's the story saying here? They are indicators to tell us whether we have been living a life that is fully persuaded or not. The first indication I want to let you know is a hard heart. When your heart is hard, it shows you are not yet fully persuaded. You can't be convinced. There are some people, even their face, when you see it from afar, it's hard. Praise God. It's hard. Are you that kind of a person who is just hard naturally? Then he used, he used the people in the wilderness to explain the church in the wilderness how hard these people were. God did different kinds of miracles in their lives. A pillar by day, fire by night, They were thirsty, they needed water. Rock, come on, give us water there. You know, go to a place, bitter water, stick, divine purification system. He fed them from his kitchen every day of their lives. 
There were no supermarkets. They didn't have to go and buy new clothes. Every day was a miracle. Can you imagine a five-year-old boy and his clothes were growing supernaturally on him? <laughs> Five. <laughs> and when he got to 14, the clothes still fit at 14. What happened? Daily miracles. They were seeing that they were living under a different cloud. They wanted, they wanted uh, meat. It was in the wilderness. There are no animals for them. God went to bring um, chicken and turkey combined. They came. They lied there, just stretch a mile, go get it and cook it and so on and so forth. Did everything for them. But see their heart. Their heart was still hard. Hard people. Hard. God said, look, in the beginning, he told them, this is the deal. I'm going to get you out of this nation. They are stronger than you. But I just want to prove a point to the world that I'm your God and you are my people. I'm going to get you out. You won't lift a sword. And I'm going to get you out of here. And God brought them out. That's why the Bible says, with a mighty hand, he brought them out. Mighty hand, he brought them out. They didn't lift a finger. But... Just a little, a little thing will happen. Moses, why did you bring us here? Moses, complain after complain. Have you met Christians like that? They just complain. They should just change their middle name to complain. Out from the wilderness. Any small challenge. Moses, why did you bring us here? And there are graves in, the, in Egypt to bury us. These guys were slaves. Who gives, who gives slaves uh, honorable burial? They said, there are cucumbers in Egypt. Cucumber? Cucumber is a delicacy. It's not given to slaves. And they were, they were lying they were, they were doing all sorts, provoking the Holy One of Israel, simply because of what their heart was hard. Don't be a difficult person. A difficult person can't be fully persuaded. Have you met difficult people in life? When you say a difficult person, do you bother to explain to the person? You just walk away. You just, whatever you say, uh, that's the correct thing. It's correct. Because the headache to convince the person, you will save your energy. The way you are looking like at me, it means you have experienced such before. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hardness of heart. Don't have a hard heart. Let's go to 10 to 12, Hebrews 3, 10 to 12. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Underline that word in your Bible. Unbelief that you just call unbelief, according to the standard of God, 
is what? It's an evil heart. You call it unbelief. Well, I just didn't believe. God says it's an evil heart. You see, these things you must take them more earnestly serious. He says, it's an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So unbelief is not just unbelief the way we look at it sometimes. According to the standard of God, it's an evil heart. A hard heart, an evil heart. Praise God. They tried God in the wilderness. I want to encourage you today. Be careful of an evil heart. An almost fully persuaded heart is an evil heart. Unbelief is an evil heart. Don't be there. It's not a place for you to be, spiritually speaking. So when you see yourself in unbelief, quickly, what did I say? Quickly get yourself out of there. It's not a place for you. It's an evil heart. It's an evil place. Praise God. So where should we be? That's, if, that's one of the indications. Let's go further. Hebrews 4. Are you gaining something today? So what are the indicators? Hard heart. Don't have a hard heart. Number two? On unbelief. Okay, let's go on. Are you with me? Hebrews 4. 1, 2, 3. We are drawing a line between fully persuaded and wavering. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise of being left for us, of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But... The word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So, there was a problem here. The same word that is going to profit us, the fully persuaded, when it is preached to those who are wavering, it will not what? Profit them. They will not gain. They will not gain. So if you are a child of God, you shouldn't stay in the wavering point. You remember this point when I was talking about, don't stay there, it's too dangerous. Don't be a wavering Christian. You must move your faith to being fully persuaded. Praise God. Praise God. Now, not being, where are we? Okay. For we which have believed do enter into rest. That's number three. Those who are fully persuaded, this is the indication, they will enter into rest. They will do what? Enter into rest. That's when you know you are fully persuaded. You have entered into his rest. Now, let me describe that rest for you from the scripture. He says, as I have sworn in my wrath, as I, as I said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. If they shall enter into my rest, although the works 
were finished from the foundation of the world. Praise God. Oh, there is a place of rest. There is a place of rest. I call it the estate of God. Praise God. I call it the realm of God. The place of rest. What is this place of rest? Is the, you see, do you need to go to work when the work is finished? Okay, let me, let, let me, let me reverse that question. Assuming you have a project, a project is a building. You have finished building the building. Do you go back to the same building and say, I want to reconstruct uh, the floor when the floor is finished? Do you go there and say you want to reconstruct? You don't go to work when the work is finished. So when the work is finished, what do you do? Oh, come on, talk to me. When the work is finished, what do you do? You rest. You rest. After God did all the work of the earth for six days, what did he do on the seventh? He rested. Praise God. So when the work is done, now God has done all the work for you. He's saying, come to my rest. You cease from all works at that time. Praise God. That's the indication that you are fully persuaded. We have done all the work. Jesus has died on the cross for you. You have believed him. You have held on. You have, you have held on like a bulldog. You have convinced that he has fully taken over the matter. You rest. You leave it there. Praise God. There's no more pendulum. There's no more going back and forth. You have entered into the estate of God. Because the works are finished. Praise God. Verse 3 to 6. Let's go to verse 4. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, that God did rest the seventh day from all his works. Yes? And in this place again, if there shall enter into my if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore, I love this, it remaineth that some must enter. How many will enter? Some. So even as I'm preaching this message, it's not everybody that is interested in this life of faith. Ah, talked of faith today. Oh. Oh, did you like that message of faith? Oh. You see? You've already rejected it. He says, some must enter. If I were you, I would quickly pray for myself. I must be part of that song. I must be. He says, some must enter therein, and they too, whom it was first preached, entered not in because of unbelief. Now, what stops people from entering into the rest of God? So when unbelief is alive, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, you have not entered into rest. If you are still doubting, if your faith is 99% and you still have 1% doubt, what is that? It's still unbelief. You have done well, but I told you almost is not it. Praise God. Until you are fully persuaded, 100% is being fully persuaded, that you are sure that you are sure that you are sure. Praise God. 
Oh, my God. Unbelieving is an evil heart. Don't let it come near you. Amen? Unbelief means, the other word for unbelief is unpersuadable. A dangerous place to be. Don't be found in this place. Don't be found there. Let me show you where to be found and I'll bring it to a close. All right? Have you been blessed? Psalm 37. Let's read 3 to 7 together. That's a place to be. Psalm 37, verses 3 to 7. And I'll just give you an example, then we'll close. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Yes? Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. What does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? What does the word delight mean? It means to be happy. Be glad. Some of us, we read the word of God as if we are going to a sad party. Have you attended such parties before? There's a sad party. It's just a gathering to be sad and to mourn and to cry and to just have pity party. Have you attended such? I don't go to such parties. I don't know whether you go to such places. I don't go there. Praise God. Amen. Delight yourself in the word of God. Verse 4 again, please. I have not done. I know you are in a hurry to go home. I'm also. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee what? The desires of your heart. Okay, I've got so many desires in my heart, but what, what's the word of God telling me to do if I want those desires done? What do I do? I delight myself. I rejoice in the word. The psalmist said, I've rejoiced in thy word like one that has found great spoil. I rejoice. I train myself that when I'm approaching the world, it's not a sad time. Somebody then, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. some of you read it as if it's torture, torture. Let me just read it. They said three chapters every day. Let me just finish. That's not how to approach the world. Delight yourself in the world. He will give you the desires of your heart. Not only will he do that, verse 5, let's go on. Verse 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. He shall bring it to pass. Trust in him and he shall bring it to pass. Trust in him and he shall. That's where I always want to be. I want to be in a place of trusting, not doubting. Praise God. Now, let's go on. Six. Six. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light. And thy judgment like the noonday. Go on. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Verse 8 Cease from hunger, forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. That's the place to always be. Resting in the Lord. Are you listening to me? Create that environment around your life. I will not fret. I will not have anxiety. I will not put myself under any kind of pressure. The only person under pressure is the devil. 
giving the pressure. You just stay in the atmosphere of God's presence. Praise God. And you see the promises of God come to pass every moment of your life. A long time ago in this church, maybe about 15 years ago thereabout, or even more than that, a lady, a member of this church, heard us preaching on these lines of faith. In those days, I used to preach some fiery messages on faith. Fiery messages. Now, <laughs> the lady did something that was very scary. She had been believing God for the fruit of the womb. At that time, I would say she had been waiting for maybe six years or five years. Baby hadn't come. She had messages of faith like this. And in fact, when she was telling me this testimony, I said, indeed, you got to the realm of being fully persuaded. She had been on the word, just like I thought right now, took a few scriptures about the fruit of the womb, paced the floor of her house, had been believing, had been speaking the word, has been speaking the word, has been meditating on the word, declaring the word, and so on. She told me later that, Pastor, even if my husband didn't come near me, I believed God to that point that I could get pregnant, even if he didn't come near me. The word of God itself would bring that. I said, are you another Mary? <laughs> Praise God. Now, what, what happened? This lady was pacing the floor. Let me tell you the, the, the level of dangerous faith she was in. By the time she got to that place of rest, when she knew she was pregnant, she just rested on the word of God. The first month went by as the way of the woman. She saw a menstrual period again. After fully being persuaded, she said, no, I'm pregnant. The following month came again. She saw her menses as the way of the woman again. She said, no, I'm pregnant. The third month came. In fact, before she went to go and see the doctor, before the message came, he announced to the boss that, well, boss, I'm pregnant. You've got to start looking for a replacement for my March leave. Wow. You are seeing menses. You are acting fit. You are telling. She said, Pastor, at that time, I was fully persuaded that the blood didn't mean anything. The third one, she went to the, I mean, the, the third month, she went, I mean, she saw in the way of the woman again her menses, and she went to the doctor. And the, when she got to the doctor, the doctor said, congratulations, after doing all the tests. You are three months pregnant. Praise God. Praise God. You mean biological proofs were suspended? As simple as ABC. A lot of people don't. When you tell people facts and truth, you can't discern. There was a woman. 
All these things I'm telling you, these people are alive. I can give you their names and numbers to call them. In the same church. That's exercising your faith. Fully persuaded. This same child that was born is in the university already now. Life baby is not, it's not cosmetic. Say, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. That's how she shouted the day she got it. I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. Praise God. She has her baby today. That's the faith of God's word. Are you listening to me? I've seen women without womb. No womb. They've removed the womb. And they still get pregnant. How did it happen? Just this same thing, being fully persuaded of the word of God. And the babies came out, twins, nine pounds each. You know, there was no womb, so they could stretch. <laughs> One day, as the Lord liveth, I will invite these twins to this country for you to see them live. These things are real. They are real. <laughs> Hallelujah. They are real. I told you of a friend of ours that had, uh, what's it called, cancer? And calling and uh, was it California there? Praise God! You remember I've given that testimony several times. That, that's when I tell you that don't only have friends who can go to parties with you. Also have friends who can pray. I'm not saying you shouldn't have the two. I'm not saying your kind of parties so or you know, big big big. Mm. I'm saying the kind of party that okay, your friend is turning forty. Let's go there and celebrate. You know those, I'm talking of godly parties, not, uh, not the other side. Praise God. You need friends to celebrate. Because the other day, one of our friends lost the dad. And you know, in that part of the world, there's a big celebration. So then another friend of ours was there. He's a prayer warrior. Throughout the party, this is how he did He's a prayer warrior. Thank God he brought his wife. His wife was still, you know, shaking to the music a little bit. I said, these are the wrong kind of people to have as president. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible says rejoice with them that rejoice. Ah, he's so serious like let us pray. You know what he said, let us pray, everybody is serious. Amen? And, uh, so our friends, I told you about my friend, the guy, the, the, the cancer in the brain, the tumor in the brain was as big as a fist. Just within 24 hours, it reduced to a golf ball. After 48 hours, there was nothing there. Praise God. By faith, it can be done. How many people are ready to switch to fully persuade their faith? Rise up on your feet like a champion. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Come on, put those hands together for Jesus. <laughs> Lift up your hands to everyone and say, Father, I receive grace today. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed by the word today. Please join our services live every Sunday, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. and Bible study every Friday, 7 p.m. at 95 Church Street, St. Catharines. We hope you have a wonderful week ahead and God bless you.